Suppose you have been one that has grown up in a situation where love has not really been communicated to you. Suppose your cup for love, as it were, has been bone dry, and you find it very difficult then to extend love to others. You find it very difficult to receive love from others. You find it difficult to really believe that God loves you and receive God's love or return love to God. Many times this is the case where we have had communicated to us messages that indicate love is conditional, dependent upon our performance or our acceptability or our person. So if we have had these messages come to us and we find it has been difficult to really accept God's love, then usually we have come up with this conclusion, oh, I'm unlovely, unlovable, nobody loves me, God doesn't love me, people don't love me. And if this is true, then it would be very important for us to reprogram our mind concerning love. Reprogram the mind concerning God's love, concerning people's love. Of course, the first step would be to memorize and meditate on God's love for us. And here are just a number of scripture verses that would indicate to us how very, very much God loves us. Memorize, meditate on God's love to us by filling our mind and our heart with his word and his truth. As a man thinketh, so is he, the scripture says. So if we have had these negative thoughts about ourselves, then we begin to act as though they're true. And we need to correct that wrong mental picture, that wrong understanding of God and his love for us. One lady one day asked, well, why didn't you also include 1 Corinthians 13? I said, well, the reason we didn't include 1 Corinthians 13 under this list is because that really talks about the kind of love that we're to have toward one another. She said, yes, but as I review the quality of love that we are to have toward one another, then I realize in a fresh way this is the kind of love that God has for me. Well, if this would be helpful also to really get a hold of how much God loves us, then we could use that passage of Scripture too. Step number two, list the people who love you. Now, you may not understand why this is important unless you have been a person that has had this difficulty of receiving love or giving love, or unless you have tried to help someone who has this difficulty. But you see, where love has not been communicated, usually then this person has, as it were, just set up a little rejection system. And when love is communicated to them, instead of receiving it as a love action, they just reject it and will not allow that love to come through. So list the people who love you, the deeds of love done, and the words of love spoken. They can be just very simple deeds of love. For example, when we moved to our new community in Kent, Washington, 
The neighbor lady and her girls went strawberry picking. At the end of that day, I heard a knock on the door, and as I opened the door to answer it, there was one of the little girls with a bowl of freshly picked, stemmed, washed, sugared strawberries. And she said, I just want you to have these strawberries. Well, that was no problem to me at all. I said, thank you, and received her strawberries. <laughs> you notice she did not say, we really love you, and we want this to be a token expression of our love to you. She didn't put that label on it at all. But it was important that I put that label on it. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, just simple love actions. And it helps if you jot these down, because then it becomes more really your own. It's a way of really receiving that as a love action, or simple words of love. And then review at night. I'm sure you are aware of how the thoughts we think just before we drop off to sleep at night are very significant. In fact, if you want to uh, develop a worrisome attitude, one of the best ways is just before you drop off to sleep at night, review everything that you can think of that you have to worry about. And if you review that list three or four times, it's most effective. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're better able to worry than you were the day before. <laughs> but of course, we don't recommend that. But as long as that's the way it affects us, we just as well discern that and then implant in our minds those positive thoughts. So this is why it's helpful to review at night the fact that God loves you by reviewing some of these scriptures that speak of God's love. And then give him thanks. Review at night also the fact that people love you and give God thanks for these people who love you. Thank you, Lord. Rehearse in the morning. When you're tempted to revert back to the negative thoughts, God doesn't love me, I'm unlovely, unlovable, rehearse in the morning. Yes, God does love me. And again, give God thanks for his love. Yes, there are people who do love me. Thank you, Lord, for this person or these people who love me. Rehearse in the morning. Keep this up as a diligent practice for at least three or four weeks, because it takes a period of time to learn a new habit. Whether it's a thought habit or an action habit, it takes a period of time. So give yourself time. And if at the end of three or four weeks you don't just rather automatically respond to believe in God's love, then keep it up for three or four years because it's a fact, and however long it takes us to really absorb it as a fact and believe in the fact, then let's stick with it that long. Now, to illustrate how it does take a period of time to learn a habit, whether it is a thought habit or an action habit, sometimes I give this illustration. Uh, think back to the time when you first learned to drive a car. If it was for you as it was for me, it was back in those days when we had clutches and gears. 
Well, it was something like this. There was an experienced driver here at my side would tell me each step to take. Now, I'll put the key in the ignition. In, in the ignition? What, what's, so she would tell me what the ignition was. Put the key there. Now, one thing you really need to check out is uh, that your gear is in neutral. Now, your gears form an H, and uh, the neutral is that uh, place that jiggles there in the center. If it's uh, tight, then that's not the right place. So be sure it's in neutral. Now, with your left foot, put it on the left pedal. You'll need your right foot for something else. Uh, the left pedal there is the clutch. So she tells me all about this. Push it all the way to the floorboard and just hold it there steadily. Now, start the car. So she tells me how to start the car and get it going. Now, the next thing, you really have to synchronize this or you're in trouble. As you let out very, very gradually on the clutch, then also press down on the foot feet. And so I follow her instructions as carefully as I can and pretty soon... <laughs> the car dies and I have to do the whole thing all over again. Well, now, compare that with um, this morning or the last time you drove your car. You probably just hopped in, closed the door, and started it up, and it was all so very smooth. Uh, what's the difference? One time someone said, automatic drive. <laughs> but obviously the point is it has become a habit. Now you do not have to give it that same deliberate, concentrated attention for every single step because it's become a combination, a thought habit and an action habit. And you can just get in and move along quickly. Well, it does take a period of time to learn a new habit. So give yourself time. Give God time to work. And then share with others. Share with others what God's love is beginning to mean to you, or increasingly meaning to you, as you see it in his word, as you see it demonstrated to you through circumstances in life, as you see it demonstrated to you through people. Share with others. Now, of course, in order to share, we have to first observe and then share. Each day, there are many, many indications of God's love to us, and we can bypass them unless we gear ourselves to pay attention to and notice these indications of God's love. For example, it might be uh, such a simple situation as this. Suppose you're in a real big hurry, you have a very, very busy day, an errand to run downtown, have to go into a store to make a purchase. On the way down, you say, Father, would please you a little parking place right close by. And so surely enough, as you get right close by, someone is pulling out and you can just pull right in. Thank you, Lord, for this parking place. Thank you for this indication of your love to me. Thank you, Lord might be the next day you have another errand to run downtown, and again, you want to save as much time as possible. So you, on the way down, pray, ask the Lord if it would please you a little parking place right close by. And surely enough, when you get right close by, 
there's no parking place. What do you do then? Well, thank you, Lord. I know you aren't making any mistakes, so I, I thank you for this situation, even though there's no parking place. Now, this, this next time around, it would please you a parking place. So you come around this next time, and surely enough, as you approach close to the place where you need to go in, there's no parking place. What do you do this time? Well, you just fold up. Because the second time around is clear evidence that God has forgotten all about you. Right? No, no. Thank you again, Lord. You're bigger than the situation. Now, you help me to find a parking place someplace. And would you believe six blocks away you find a parking place? Now, wait a minute. I thought that he promises, in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for what? Good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Now, what good could it be for me to have to walk six blocks? Well, possibly, exercise. <laughs> It might be. In fact, uh, the scripture itself says bodily exercise profiteth a little. There's some profit there. It compares it, though, to spiritual exercise. And it might even be in this case there is opportunity for spiritual exercise, too. What might that be? It might be that God is giving a golden opportunity to exercise what? Patience. Patience. And which one of us does not need more patience? Will the truly patient person please stand up? <laughs> no, obviously we all have need to grow in this area of patience. So we have opportunity for then this double benefit, physical exercise, spiritual exercise. So notice indications of God's love to us through circumstances of life. One Sunday morning, Carol, Nettie, and I were traveling back home from church around the freeways in Seattle, and we had a rainy morning. Two vehicles ahead of me, I happened to be driving, was a truck that lost its wheel. The axle started scraping on the freeway and uh, sparking and all. Of course, he began to turn onto the shoulder. The lady right behind him in a rather small car, of course, just immediately slammed on her brakes. Her car went into a skid, and she was moving sideways in the lane in which I was traveling. I also immediately slammed on the brakes, and our car went into a skid, too. I was just quite sure that we were going to either hit her or the cement divider, and I wasn't sure which one to aim toward. But it really didn't matter too much anyway because I had no control, turn as I would. But just before we hit either of them, would you believe we stopped like this? And I personally don't know uh, the natural explanation to it. I always like to know the natural explanation. I don't know what the natural explanation to that was. It seemed to me, not only seemed to me, but doesn't God's word say that we have a host of angels 
encamping round about us. It just seemed as though those angels said, this far and no farther. Well, of course, just immediately, each one of us, in one way or another, said, well, thank the Lord, or praise the Lord. Now, again, this is an indication of God's love. Sometimes, however, of course, God allows the accident. And that does not mean that uh, he has forgotten about us. Not at all. See, whichever way it is, we can trust him to work out that which is good. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. So notice indications of God's love through circumstances. And then, too, make much use of songs, songs of God's love, as we're thinking of reprogramming the mind concerning God's love. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know. O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul on thee. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Songs that speak of God's love to us. And then it's good to sing heart response songs to him. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. I would like for us to just pause for a moment and sing a song. I have put some words speaking of God's love to us and what we are to him to a tune. So let's sing together to the tune, O Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, these words. God has made me very special and I'm
Thank you very much. You sang that as though you really meant it. It's good to take songs and either make up your own words or sing songs that have already been handed down to us, songs of God's love. And in this way, then, taking these steps to, in a practical way, bask afresh in God's love. Again, as we mentioned, most of the time when we're discouraged, depressed, anxious, frustrated, it's because at that moment we aren't really, really believing actively in God's love. So we need to come again, bask afresh in his love. And these are some practical steps that we can take to basking in his love. One day, one of the workshop ladies was sharing how her husband, who was a pastor, came home, reported, Mrs. Jones has been in to see me again today. She has been back to her medical doctor, and after he took her blood pressure, he said, Mrs. Jones, I just really feel that I have no further help to give to you. I would like to make a referral of your case to a professional counselor. So Mrs. Jones came back to her pastor and said, is there any more help that you can give to me? Now he's talking to his wife and says, I don't know what more I can say to her. Do you have any suggestions? She said, well, I don't know if this would be of help or not, but in the workshops we did have this area of steps to reprogramming the mind concerning God's love. He said, well, what are those steps? So she shared with him what these steps are. He said, well, I don't know either whether she would be interested or not. Why don't I ask her? He did ask her. She was interested. In fact, she diligently applied herself to each one of these steps, memorized each one of these suggested verses, began in this way then to bask in God's love. And it brought her rest on the inside. Sometime later, and I'm not sure exactly what the period of time was there, but she went back to her medical doctor who took her blood pressure again and just immediately said, what has happened to you? She said, well, it's God and my pastor. But what she was really doing was reprogramming her mind concerning God's love for her. And this brought her rest on the inside, just as is promised in Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace who? Whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And as she was focusing in on God's love, and as God in this wonderful way communicated his love to her, this brought her rest on the inside. I asked this pastor's wife, would she mind if I were to have this illustration and just share it with uh, women around the country? And she said, I'm sure she wouldn't mind. I will ask her, write it out for you, and give it to you. Months passed, and she called me up on the telephone one day and dictated it to me similarly as I have given it to you. And she said, I'm kind of glad that I didn't give it to you right away because I wanted to see how long this might last. Now, this was a number of months later. 
And she said, the church folk are saying, what has happened to Mrs. Johns? Her family have indicated, what a difference. And the neighbors have mentioned, what a difference in Mrs. Johns. Why? Because she was doing just exactly what God says we are to do. Focus in on. Keep our minds stayed upon him. And then it makes such a difference. Another lady shares, Verna, as I was growing up, I did not feel loved by my mother or my dad. They usually were too busy to spend any time with me. This had a tremendous effect on me to the point that where I felt I would be better off in heaven. In fact, my life verse was, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, with emphasis on the latter part. All of this also has had a tremendous effect upon my husband and my two children. After the workshop last year, I really sought the Lord and prayed and began meditating on the verses which you gave on the love of God until I really knew that God really, really does love me the way that I am right now with no conditions. This was the first time I really knew and experienced his love so fully even though I had been a Christian for many years. This has been the beginning of the Lord working in my whole family, things that I have hoped for but didn't know how to accomplish God has done in his own gracious way. Or it might be that you would identify with a friend of mine. She would hear about some good thing that happened to one of her friends. And her response would be, oh, that figures. Good things are always happening to Jane. Good things are always happening to Jane. And then she would hear about a good thing that would happen to one of her other friends. We'll call her Susie. Oh, that figures. Good things are always happening to Susie. Susie and Jane, you've never seen the like. Good things are always happening to them. And then one day, the rest of the thought was verbalized. And this is what she said, but things like that just don't happen to me. Good things like that just don't happen to me. Now, if you've ever thought those thoughts or said those words, do you know what the deep underlying attitude is, if we have that attitude? Let me verbalize it for us. Oh, that figures. You can always depend on it. God will be good to Jane, and God will be good to Susie, but God isn't good to me like that. You see, it's really a deep-down questioning of God's goodness. So if that has been our attitude, then it would be important for us to take steps to reprogram the mind concerning God's goodness. And this friend did so. In fact, she memorized the entire chapter, Psalm 103. Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, especially. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And then Psalm 23, the entire chapter. That last verse especially the Lord used to really communicate to her. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, what is it that's going to follow me all the days of my life? If something's going to follow me, I want to know what it is. 
Surely goodness and mercy, God's goodness and God's loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. I think it's F.B. Meyer that calls these God's twin angels, goodness and mercy, following me all the days of my life. And through this means, then, as she was focusing in on scriptures that speak of God's goodness, memorizing them, meditating on them, she began to rest in God's goodness. When I was down in uh, Washington, D.C., for workshops there, we had them on a little different plan, and that was we met each evening during the week and then all day Saturday. A lady from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, came with one of her friends to attend the workshops there, stayed in a motel. The physical condition of this lady was that she spent most of her time in bed during the daytime for resting and then would get up and attend the workshops at night. Spend most of the next day in bed, except for meals, and then get up, come to the workshops at night. In personal conference with her, it became evident that there was this fear that would just grip her, and it would have physical expressions. And I suggested to her that you memorize Psalm 27, which would be a very good one for that, or Psalm 121 would be possible, or Psalm 91, another good one, but I especially suggested to her Psalm 27. She diligently applied herself to memorizing meditating on the truth there in Psalm 27, began to rest in him. Five months later, we were holding workshops in Lancaster. She was there. She said, this fear has not come to me in, with that same impetus that it had before, nor have I had this expression of that fear, this physical expression. We saw her seven months after that, she had been back to her medical doctor who said, I have not seen you in such good physical condition for a long, long time. And instead of being in that weakened physical state, she was continually busy behind the scenes just carrying boxes of material or seeing that the supplies were here and there, just doing physical labor instead of being in that weakened physical condition. She was focusing on a particular aspect of God, his promise to her, his total adequacy, and this brought her rest on the inside. I just cannot overemphasize the importance of focusing on God's love, God's goodness, or God's adequacy in one area or another where we know that we have a special need to focus in on that word and just bask afresh in God's total adequacy and then find rest and peace. Shall we close in a word of prayer? Our Father, we just thank you so very, very much for the unfathomable love that you have for us. How good you are how much you love us, and we just really, really thank you. Pray that each one of us here today will be freshly aware 
of how much you love us and how totally we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.